For the last few weeks, I've really uh, just been digging into God's Word and really seeing just uh, how this is, uh, there's so many replete examples all throughout Scripture where it talks about the differences between these two things and that when we fully understand it, that it really it changes the way that we even live. And so, uh, so for the spirit of it this morning, I actually went online and found some really interesting uh, inheritance stories. Yeah. Um, here are a couple of examples that are sometimes a little, frankly, bizarre. Like, they're just weird stories of inheritance stories. So, uh, let's start. I have three of them. The first one is this. Kara Wood was a bubbly 17-year-old waitress at Drin's Colonial Restaurant in Chagrin Falls, Ohio. One of her regular customers was Bill Cruxton, an 82-year-old local resident who visited the restaurant every day and made it a point to be seated in Kara Wood's section. She not only waited on his table daily, she also ran errands for him and helped him around his house. She's a nice girl. Bill Cruxton died in November of 1992, but not before he rewrote his entire will to make her favorite, his favorite waitress and friend the sole beneficiary of his $500,000 estate. Crazy, right? Hey, who knew that being nice to somebody could financially pay off, right? There you go. Here's another one. Charles Vance Miller was a wealthy man who made his fortunes from law and private investments. This guy was known to be uh, a bit of a practical joker. So, uh, and I'm telling you, this is a totally true story. Like, you can literally go and look it up. It's pretty incredible. His love of jokes and pranks resonates strongly in his will, where he stipulated several conditions for his inheritance the bulk of which was to give to the woman who gave birth to the most number of children 10 years after he died, all his cash. So the day he died, he says, you, the, the clock starts now, 10 years from the day I die, whatever women in this local area has the most kids, they'll have all of my cash. How crazy is that? The stunt was much publicized as women raced in what was known to be the Great Stork Derby. Yeah, that, this is a real story. So this was in uh, between 1926 and 1935, I think. Ultimately, four women tied with nine children in ten years. For an estimated 100000 in cash each, they split the prize across the board for four women. Yeah, that's crazy. This one, is, uh, this one might be a little sad, so bear with me. Uh, there's no doubt that living in the streets for an extended period of time can take a toll on any person making them paranoid and fearful of the authorities. It is therefore no surprise that Thomas Martinez, a 67-year-old vagrant in the streets of Bolivia, first instinct was to flee from the police as they tried to approach him to tell him the news that he inherited $6 million from a distant relative. Thomas Martinez was afraid of getting arrested, and after the first run-in with police, he was never found again, despite numerous attempts by the media and charities to locate him. Yeah, that's like, what? The inheritance was then awarded to his ex-wife. So that actually makes it a little like, kind of a salt in the wound right there, right? And these are kind of crazy inheritance stories. These are like all historically true inheritance stories, what people are putting in their will. And so the interesting thing about this is... Uh, you know, some of you might be thinking, it's like, gee, I wonder, do I have a distant relative somewhere that uh, might be uh, putting me in their will? Who knows? You could be. You don't know. You know, it's kind of amazing. But this brings up the whole idea of the difference between 
inheritance and possession. Inheritance and possession. Right? Inheritance comes from a promise. Inheritance comes from promise. Possession comes from obedience. In these examples that we just saw, these stories where a will was rewritten, what you see is that the promise was the will of the deceased, right? The will, it has in it language that's a promise to do something with their money, with all their assets, with something. It's a promise. That's all it is. So when someone says, like, oh, my inheritance, it's talking about what's going to come to them, what's promised to them, right? Taking possession is a little bit of a different story. That last case that we talked about where the guy, he had the inheritance of $6 million, he never took possession of it, right? There's a difference. Possession is obedience. There's something that's active that's required in that. It was never possessed. And I think a lot of times what happens with, with us is, we have a tendency to get these two things mixed up. Uh, the idea of an inheritance and the idea of, uh, of a possession. Right? Maybe you've heard about God's promises and felt a little discouraged. Right? You read something about God's faithfulness and you feel a little cheated. You wonder, like, wow, why does this happen to everybody else except me? Right? Am I the only one who thinks that? Like, I, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, it happens. Uh, regularly, I think for me, like man, like it's it's kind of a wow. How come this, but not not for me, right? Like, can we be honest and say that's a reality that every single one of us lives in? Uh, I remember when I first started uh, doing vocational ministry or working in vocational ministry here. This was in 2014, so four years ago. Every single uh, one of us who's on staff with Called to Greatness. We, uh, we have to go and raise all of our finances to live. It's our entire salary. So uh, during the summer of 2014, I went back to my hometown in Buffalo, New York, and uh, went and raised uh, the finances that we needed. And it took a little bit of time. There was a whole process that I had to go through in terms of you know, maturing and, and uh, just growing and, and finding the people who would ultimately come and support uh, the ministry that we're doing here in Manhattan. And at the same time, uh, unfortunately, she's not here, but Aja started at the exact same time as I did. Aja Banner, at that time, she wasn't married, Aja Artery. She, uh, she started and she was raising support, uh, but she got to her goal first. And so I remember sitting in a staff meeting, and everybody's like, yeah, it's so great, Aja, you made it to 100%. Now you can get to work and do ministry. And I'm kind of sitting there like, yeah, good job, Aja. That's awesome. Good for you. You know, it's kind of like that. I'm happy for you, but I'm kind of mad at you at the same time, right? You ever feel that way? Like, does anybody resonate with that? That's Maybe I'm just crazy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Right? I mean, we've all felt this way at some point or another. You know? It's not easy to appreciate the beauty and splendor of God's faithfulness when you feel like God promised you something, whether it's healing or success, victory over a certain temptation, and it just, He hasn't provided it yet, or it hasn't come. Right? And we even sang in the song Waymaker, right? Promise Keeper. God, you're the promise keeper, right? Like, all the things that God is, and then sometimes, like, that, that truth, it's like, yeah, okay, like, I see that truth, but where is it true for me? Where is it true for me? 
Where is God's promise of joy that no one can take away from you when I'm lonely and depressed? Where is it? Where's that joy? Where's God's promise of authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy when I've fallen into the same sin and temptation again and again and again? Where is that power? How come I'm not experiencing it? Where's God's promise of peace that surpasses all understanding when I'm more confused today than I've ever been? Right? Where, where does that happen? How, does, how come I can't claim that promise? And the answer is this. It's a fundamental spiritual truth. This is, if there's anything you take away from this morning, it would be this. is that God gives seeds, not trees. God gives seeds, not trees. Say, Rob, what do you mean by that? Well, that's a good question. Take a look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 and 32. Here Jesus is uh, sharing a parable about the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Those terms are interchangeable, by the way. The kingdom of heaven is like the grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. All right, so let's do, uh, let's do the, the math here. Okay? If I wanted to go and get, say, an oak tree in my backyard, what would I do? Would I hop the fence, chop down the neighbor's oak tree, bring it over to my house, and hope it works? Yeah, no, that's probably not going to be too great. It's going to be backbreaking to begin with. But then at the same time, it's like, how do you transplant a tree that, that it's that big? That's somebody else's property, right? Somebody else received it. That, that makes no sense. Instead, what's required is you take this tiny little seed, you stick it in the ground, and you take care of it. And then eventually, it will become something. But let me ask you this. What's required for a seed to ultimately become a giant tree? You guys can... Water. What is it? Water. water. Yes, water, one. What else? Time. Time. Yep, that's a big one. What else? Sunlight. Anything else? Good soil. Good soil, yeah, all right. These are all good answers. Anything else? Fertilizer. Fertilizer. You don't need it, but it helps. Yeah, that's true. Fertilizer, okay. Anything else? What was that? Okay, never mind. Anybody else got one? Care, okay. How about this one? It, this kind of goes in hand with time, but patience right? You can't just say, I'm going to plant this in the ground, and I really hope tomorrow it's a giant oak tree, right? Like, unfortunately, time doesn't work that way. It would be awesome if it did, but it does not, right? Coincidentally, we have, we have a tendency to view God in that way. We want him to just transplant this giant tree, the full result of something that takes time energy, resources, all the stuff that we need to pour into this seed to make it become something. But we want the end result, not the whole process of turning it into that. Does that make sense? Do you guys follow? So how about this? Here is a uh, seed. This is a mustard seed. It's the same thing that we just talked about in the verse. Uh, As you can see, it is not so big. Right? Very tiny. This is the tree. 
It's not really a tree. It's a giant shrub that just goes out of control, right? It's like huge. It's big. But that little, tiny, little seed ultimately turns into something that is absolutely massive in scale. Now keep this in your mind because we're actually going to go back to it in just a few minutes. So a tendency for us is, yes, we pray, God, I want the peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes, God, give it to me, please. I want that peace, but I want it right now. Right? Please give it to me right now. I want this right now. Bring me the joy. I want that joy, but it better be right now. I'm impatient, and I want it right now. If I don't get what I want, I'm going to stop my feet. And God, it's your fault, right? A lot of times we do this. It's like we throw little tantrums, and it's kind of funny. I'm sure God looks down. You know, there's a verse that says God looks down in the heavens and laughs. It's like, He's probably laughing at the enemy, but a lot of times he's probably just laughing at us, like, what is wrong with these people? You know, like, oh, man. So here's the deal. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And this is a little, uh, little cool thing that you can do. When you see promises and you see uh, things that require obedience, you can actually go ahead and, and think this in your mind when you read these verses, okay? So... Uh, Philippians 4, chapter 6 and 7, or uh, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Right? So this is on the front end. The verse that talks about the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's on the back end, right? So you notice the split here. The first part is the obedience. What's required for me in order to receive the inheritance or the promise? What's the possession that I must have? What's the obedience I have to walk in in order to receive the inheritance or the promise? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So when this happens, then this will happen. Here's another example. God told Abraham he would be the father of many nations. That was the promise. It took years of Abraham believing, of having the faith, of exerting his faith to ultimately get to a point where that became a reality. It took years. But the promise was fulfilled by Abraham offering his only son back to God. Uh, You can take a look at that story. I have the reference down below if you want to check it out. Uh, Here's another one. God told Joseph he'd rule over his brothers. But the promise was fulfilled by Joseph trusting God and maintaining his integrity as a slave and prisoner. Again, in this case, years. Exerting his faith and believing took years. And there's, I mean, these are just two stories. You can go uh, throughout the entire Old Testament, throughout the entire New Testament, you see story after story of story of all of this happening. In fact, Uh, This week, in our weekly reading, it's on the bottom of your bulletin, uh, I asked you to read from Hebrews chapter 11. And I highly encourage you to go check that out because that right there is what's known as the Hall of Faith. right? It's like the Hall of Fame of of people who are faithful. The Hall of Faith. And there's always, there's promises that God gave to every single one of those people. And the faith they exerted to make it happen is ultimately the obedience that God was looking for. It was that tiny little mustard seed that they were 
They were feeding, they were, they were watering, they were just taking the time and putting the patience into it to make it happen. And so uh, just really highly encourage you to take a look at that. So let's take a look, uh, jump forward if you're in Matthew, a couple of chapters to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Verse 20, it says this, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I think sometimes we look at these verses and we're like, yeah, that's, that's crazy, right? It, it really is. Like, it is crazy when you look at that and you see that faith is powerful. It can really do incredible things. So, okay, let's, let's do a little exercise. This is going to require a little bit of, uh, you know, summertime is great. We get to kind of do some different things, be a little more interactive. Uh, it gets a little crazy around here in the city of Manhattan, you know, just weather gets crazy, hell library starts on fire, you know, anything can come out of my mouth at any time. Here, all right, so let's do this. For truly I say to you, so where in this verse, if you were to, to mark where is the obedience required, where is the word obedience going to be in this verse? Anyone? What's the obedience part? What's the promise part? Okay. Even further in the sentence. Keep going. Yeah? Move from here to there. And then it'll move, right? But the obedience part comes right after the you say to this mountain, move from here to there. So you have the faith, right? It's this tiny little mustard seed. You speak in obedience to it, to your situation. A mountain could be anything. It could be a situation you're in, something that's just far beyond your comprehension of being able to be resolved by yourself. Maybe it's just a, a problem or... Uh, relational issue, financial stuff, whatever it might be, say to this mountain, move from here to there. So you speak into it. You speak to it. Speak to the mountain. What's the promise? It'll move and nothing will be impossible. There it is. So you see like the, the, the interplay here, Right? Obedience, if, this, if, you, if you're obedient in this, if you have the faith, God's going to do something powerful with it. So check this out. Faith marked by obedience moves us from here to there. A little side note, those two verses that I showed, the one in Matthew 13 and the one in Matthew 17. So uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first three of those, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the synoptic Gospels because they run synonymous with one another. A lot of stories you find uh, kind of placed in the same three uh, books. It's just usually a different perspective. So these two references, the Matthew 13 and the Matthew 17, the whole idea of a mustard seed, or the references to the mustard seed, those show up twice in each of those books. Twice in Matthew, twice in Mark, twice in Luke. And they're always dealing with the same context. Now, the interesting thing is, if you combine, combine the two verses together and you look at them in tandem, you see that God said in the beginning, right, verse uh, chapter 13, verse 
31, the kingdom of heaven is like the grain of a mustard seed. Right? And then you look at this one, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed. So what he's really saying here is that if you look at the kingdom of God, faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Like, that's the thing that makes it work. I mean, that's, that's crazy to me if you think about it. Faith is the currency that makes it work. There's a, a tendency to believe... So again, going back to this, faith marked by obedience moves us from here to there. There's this tendency to believe that faith eliminates fear, right? You've probably heard the saying, like, you choose faith or fear. And that's true to a degree. Like, there's, there's, uh, there's something to that, but it's not complete. Faith doesn't eliminate fear. You're doing it in spite of the fear, right? Faith causes you to overcome the fear, not eliminate it. Does that make sense? You follow? Living in faith is saying, looking fear right in the face and just saying to it, hey, like, not today. It's not going to be on my watch. You're not going to have control over me. That's what faith is. doesn't eliminate fear. There's a, there's a book called Great Faith. It's written by Wendell Smith. It's just, if you read the book, it's incredible. There's just so many stories of, like, I mean, I, I can't even describe to you. Like, for example, they, uh, uh, it's a church in Seattle called City Church. Uh, some of you might have heard it. Um, but Wendell Smith, he, with a group of people, there was like, what, 50 people? It, it's a really small number. But they felt called to go into this giant shopping center. Like, hey, this is a, a, an available building for us. We really think that God's calling us to go and purchase this shopping center, and that's going to be our church. I mean, it'd be like if we decided we're going to go buy Hastings and just start a, It's like, wow, like that's a really big space for the amount of people you have, right? So he just went and did it in faith, and their church grew to like thousands of people in such a short period of time. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like The stories that he shares in that book are awesome. I'd highly recommend reading it. Uh, but one of the things that he says, and I, this is a quote that he pulled from somebody else, uh, but he says this, when we do the, uh, sorry, let me start over. When we do the ridiculous, God does the miraculous. When we do the ridiculous, when we're exerting our faith and we're doing something that seems absolutely ridiculous and impossible, that's when God does the miraculous. That's when he steps up and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful because you're faithful. So let's look at some questions here. In what area of your life do you doubt God's promises? In what area of your life do you doubt God's promises? Could be a number of different things. Finances, relationships with peers or coworkers, maybe family issues. Um, maybe it's just feeling worthy. Um, what you're doing, wanting to find purpose. What area of your life do you doubt God's promises? Second question, what is one way you can engage your faith this week in that area and overcome that fear? Right? We're not talking about eliminating the fear. We're talking about overcoming it. So one way you can engage your faith.
this is kind of random. Is anybody, uh, does anybody want to share something uh, that maybe you're facing? You're like, man, I don't know how this is going to happen and, and uh, what you're doing about it to engage your faith. Yeah, Mitchell. Okay. So I've been spending like a lot of time this week trying to ask God like specifically what is the identity that He calls me and how can I like use that in my vocation and walk through the doors that He's opened yeah. That's good. So how are you going to engage your faith this week in that area? Yeah, that's the tricky part, right? Like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Um, a lot more prayer and uh, relationship with people that I know. Okay. That they know their identity. Sure. And, um, and just sort of coming out of those people and saying, like, you know who you are. Uh huh. Seeing how to know who I am. Yeah, getting discipled, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Good. Anybody else? All right. Well, here's a couple of different ways that you can uh, engage your faith. Those are good. I'll give you a couple more ideas. Uh, you can dig into God's Word more intensely if it's surrounding that specific topic. You know, so identity. That would be a good topic to go look at. What does God have to say about this? What can I believe is true? Because if you know it's true, you can expel the lies a lot more easily, right? Uh, talking to someone about your present situation... How about, uh, my wife is going to really like this one, making declarations, yeah? I, I say that because, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of declarations. She walks around the house, she's got her sheets, and she, she makes declarations about uh, certain things, what's true and what's false. And it's, it's amazing because that, actually, that has such an impact. Like, when you speak the truth out loud, you're not only speaking it over your situation, you're speaking it just out there to to the ethos, if you want to call it that, speaking to any kind of force that might be coming against it. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Make some declarations pro- proclaiming the truth. Um, you know, with identity, maybe it's making like, I am, you know, I am God's chosen servant. I'm, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm, you know, I'm a son of the chosen king. Like, you know, just, just start saying it out loud, repeating that over and over, and it just seeps into you. There's something powerful about it. So, yeah, I encourage you to do that. So, the third point, do it. Just do it. There's no breakthrough without follow-through, right? Uh, what do they say about habits? It takes 21 days to create a new habit, 21 days to break a habit and create a new one. So, uh, yeah, so... Just do it. Keep doing it regularly. Build it. All right. Does anybody have any questions or thoughts? Anything they'd like to share? Brandon, you got something. Yeah, well. 
Gotcha. Okay. Good. Yeah. Calling you out, man. It's all good. You don't got an answer. It's fine. Rachel had something. That's good. Yeah. Anyone else? Hmm. Mm. Mm. How can you discern if something is a promise for you or not? That is a very good question. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Turn that around on you. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty much that, yeah. A lot of times it's, um, you know, you might, a lot of times uh, giving a prophetic word to somebody or receiving a prophetic word, a lot of times, like, that can be, um, like, it's, it's kind of confirming something, if that makes sense, that's already there. Like, if you're, like, I'm not trying to make it about, like, feeling, right? But if you kind of have a sense, like, okay, like, I think God is calling me to this, but I'm not, and then somebody else out of the blue says, hey, you should do this, and, you know, or uh, I, one for me that happens a lot is um, I'll, I'll read, like, a verse, and it kind of sticks out to me, and then, like, that same week, like, five other people would be like, hey, I was reading this, and I'm like, what the heck? Like, that's... It's so, you know, a lot of times people have a tendency of attributing, like, coincidences. But it's, it's like, that, that's like the Holy Spirit right there, you know, just speaking into that situation. So, um, so yeah, it's like the, the weird coincidences or the, the prophetic words that are kind of speaking into something. Um, I think definitely just, like, the prayer, like, really getting settled in stuff is really powerful. Um, you know, and also... Uh, I don't think that we can underestimate the role of being discipled and having people that we look to as, as vital in our lives and, and just bouncing stuff off of them. Um, you know, we talk about, like, uh, if you have a major purchase you're going to make, right? Just talk to somebody about it before making it because in their mind, it may, you know, dude, I was thinking about spending, like, 10 grand on this amazing guitar, it's like, yeah, but you're like in debt. So I don't know if that would be the wisest decision, you know? But a lot of times in our minds, it's like, this thing, this is amazing. Like, this is going to be the best idea ever. But when you bounce it off of people, it's like, man, maybe that's not. A lot of times, you know, God can speak through those other people in your life too. So I'd encourage you to do that. Does that help? Gotcha. All right. Well, let's just pray over this, uh, this morning, and uh, the worship team is going to come up. We actually have one song that we're going to close out on. Um, 